If you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, this is God's Word. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. The men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so that they could not find the door. The two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here, because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place, because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters, and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? And my life will be spared. He said to him, very well. I will grant this request, too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. But flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zor. 
By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overflew the, overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot and his two daughters left Zor and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zor. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man around here to lie with us, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine and then lie with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night... They got their father to drink wine, and the older daughter went in and lay with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, Last night I lay with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and lie with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and lay with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son. She named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, I mean, that's not good behavior, obviously, but but fire and sulfur and raining down from heaven? I mean, really? Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt? I mean, really? I mean, do these people really deserve that kind of destruction? Well, yeah. This wasn't just an oops. This is one of the most famous examples of evil in the history of the planet. What happened in Sodom was well-deserved. What was their sin? Well, obviously, homosexuality. The homosexual community would want us to be sure and note that it wasn't just homosexual sex, it was violent rape. Yeah, okay, duly noted. But it wasn't just that. If you look in Ezekiel chapter 16, you find that this sexual immorality, which is now so famous that the term 
in Western culture, at least in the English language, for homosexual behavior is sodomy. Okay? So these people made that particular sin famous. And they weren't the only people in history to engage in that kind of behavior. But in Ezekiel chapter 16, we read this from God's word. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen. So it, it wasn't like, it wasn't just the homosexual thing. No, no, no. It was a whole life of sin, starting with arrogance. I don't know what you feel is a real problem in American culture, but if you think that arrogance is confined to one political party, you are mistaken. And furthermore, if you think that's just a problem here in America, you are mistaken. It is the human heart. What got Satan kicked out of heaven? Pride. The sin of pride. He wanted to put himself in the place of God. And that's what he has led us into throughout human history. Instead of humbly receiving the grace of our creator, we want to be our own God. We want to do our own thing. And that arrogance is absolutely the path to destruction. One of the ways in which it manifests itself is exactly what it says in Ezekiel 16. Overfed and unconcerned. No compassion for those who have less. Haughty. And engaging in all kinds of other evil too. So Sodom was absolutely ripe for destruction. And yet, in Matthew 10, 15, Jesus says that it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. I mean, they were already destroyed physically, historically, but there's still a judgment to come. Jesus, you remember, says, I'll tell you who to fear. Don't fear the one who can kill your body. Fear the one who, having destroyed your body, can cast your soul into hell. The second death is what people need to consider. So in Matthew 10, 15, Jesus says it's going to be easier for Sodom and Gomorrah than it is for those in his day who, seeing the miracles, still did not trust in him. So on the one hand, I look at 
our culture, and I say, we look a lot like Sodom. But I look at a lot of those who call themselves Christian, and I say, God, please do not let us be like those in Jesus' day who saw so much of your miraculous power and grace and yet refused to really trust in you. I just have to ask, are you trusting him? Are you trusting Jesus? The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was well-deserved. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was complete. This wasn't the first time that they'd gotten in trouble. They had to be rescued, you'll remember, by Abraham. But when they were rescued by this godly, God-worshipping man, and by the way, among those rescued, Lot and his family. They were already living there at the time. That's what got Abraham involved. By the time that that happened, and they're rescued by a man who fears the Lord, they did not turn and fear the Lord. Their experience of being carried into captivity didn't cause them to say, you know, we haven't been living right. We need to repent. And when Abraham, who so clearly was different from them, was the one used by God to rescue them and give them another opportunity. They didn't say, okay, I want to learn about the God that man worships. Lot could have told them about the man, the God that that man worships. Lot was grieved by the wickedness that he saw every day. We know that because of 2 Peter chapter 2. He was grieved by what he saw. He knew it was wrong. Hated to see people live in that way. But he was becoming part of the culture. He was getting sucked into that himself. I just am staggered when I read chapter 19 of Genesis and then I read 2 Peter chapter 2 which refers to Lot as a righteous man. What? Pastor Wood, how can he be called a righteous man when he offered his daughters to a bunch of men bent on rape who were outside his house? I'm going to protect these men who are my guests by offering up my two daughters. Hey, I've got two daughters who've never had sex with a man. How about I send them out to you? And you can do as you please. That's inexcusable. That is absolutely intolerable. How? He's supposed to be the, the father, the husband the protector, the leader. But he had stayed so long in this hideously evil place that he's now sliding 
into a mindset that says, well, you just got to do what you got to do in order to get what you want. Want to protect these men? I can offer up my daughters. Those poor, innocent girls. Well, not exactly. You read the rest of the chapter, and it turns out they weren't so great. They had grown up in Sodom. Parents, don't think your kids are going to be immune to the godless culture that surrounds them because of your choice of where to live and how to educate your children. So, oh no, my children would never do that. One of the great tragedies of our day is parents who abandon what Scripture says about things like sex because their children have gotten hogtied by the enemy and they want to be loving toward their children. And so they decide that they can sacrifice what God says in order to be supportive of their child. I've said it numerous times before. I will probably say it numerous times in the future if God gives me breath. If, God forbid, you have a child who is anorexic, you do not show love for that child by encouraging their weight loss. Okay? Anorexia is a tragic condition in which a person doesn't understand the truth about their body. And they think that what they need is to lose more weight. We have precious friends who have recovered from that sickness. But it is a sickness. And they're tragically are people who die from it. Because if you think you've got to lose weight when you're already way underweight, because when you look in the mirror and you see your ribs and you see your body shriveling up, you think, no, I, I'm, I'm still too heavy. I'm still too pudgy. I'm still too round. I need to lose weight. And while the vast majority of those who suffer with this are female, there are also males. I've known at least one male who got help and got better, but who had suffered with anorexia. Well, if your child is suffering with anorexia and you think, okay, I've got to support him. Honey, what can I do to help you meet your goal, to help you lose that weight? That wouldn't be love. That'd be cruelty. Well, if your child is confused about what God says concerning sex, whether homosexual or heterosexual, okay? Say, heterosexual? What does that mean? That means sex between a male and a female. Well, how can that be sinful? Okay, let's say it together. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. 
who are married to each other. Well, but, but as long as it's between a guy and a girl, it's okay, isn't it? No! They're not married to each other, it's sin. So why would affluent, suburban, supposed evangelicals rent a room at a fancy hotel for the prom night for their kids? Well, we didn't want them to be, you know, out there somewhere in a dangerous situation. A luxury hotel room is a dangerous situation for two young people who are not married. You understand? Are, are you tracking? Well, we just, we, we love them and, and we want to be supportive. Supportive of their doing something that's wrong? You do not show love for people by supporting their doing something that is wrong. Period. But it's rampant in our culture. And it's tragic. We see in this chapter not only the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, but in a very real way, the destruction of Lot's family. Lot looked when Abraham said, you make the choice. Lot looked and he saw what looked good. He saw what looked easy and he chose that. And so he went to the city and the city was evil and he knew it was evil and he felt grieved every day by the evil that he saw. And by golly, he wasn't going to put his pull his family out of there. Even when the angels are warning him, this place is about to be destroyed. You need to get out now. He was like, and they had to grab him physically and pull him away. Why? Oh, this is home. This is home. How can, how can we, how can we, we've got, possessions. We've got stuff. This is, this is our home. Lot would lose his wife that night. How'd that happen? She disobeyed God's word. Well, for goodness sake, haven't we all disobeyed God's word? Yes. And that's why we sing songs like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. All of us have sinned. All of us deserve God's wrath. But the fact of the matter is, one of our grievous sins is an arrogance that says, I don't think my problem is that bad. I mean, who are you to judge? Don't talk to me about it. I mean, I, I don't, I mean I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know I'm not perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. But, but I, don't, I don't think I've done anything that bad. Okay? I don't think I really have a problem. I mean, I mean, we all have problems, but I mean, I don't think my problem is any worse than anybody else's. 
That attitude toward our own sin is how we end up with a plank coming out of our eye and looking at somebody else and saying, hey, buddy, I think you've got a little speck in your eye there. You want me to help you? It's easy for us to overlook our own faults. Lot's wife was told, like Lot and Lot's daughters, don't look back. She looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. What's a pillar of salt? I've researched it. Apparently, what those words mean is a pillar of salt. <laughs> okay? If, I mean, if you, if you dig into the Hebrew, it's, a pillar is, is a pillar, and, and salt is salt. So she was turned into a pillar of salt. Got it. Apparently, this was not a slow process of accretion where, you know, it was like, boom. Kind of like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, arguably, Sodom and Gomorrah had been being destroyed by their own wickedness for a long time. But one morning, boom. Western civilization has been rotting for a long time. But read the book of Revelation and you find out that there will come a day when God's wrath will be poured out on the earth in ways that will cause people eventually to realize Oh, this is God's wrath. And at that point, the remaining humans will fall on their face and cry out to God for mercy. No, no. When the survivors realize it is God's wrath, they will cry out to the mountains, hide us from the wrath of God. Why? Because the problem ultimately is not ignorance, it's arrogance. It's hostility toward God. I don't want him to be God, I want to be God. I don't want anybody telling me I can't do what I want to do. No. The creator of the universe is the ruler of the universe. And so what is astounding is that anybody can be reconciled to him. That's what makes amazing grace so amazing. Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt as they're fleeing the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Having been brought out of the city, the angels say, you need to go to the mountains. And he says, oh no, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. Did he have bargaining power at this point? Not really. But God was so merciful that when he says, let me just go to this small place that's close by, okay? It's called Zor because it was close by and it was small, okay? A small place. It's, it's, it's not like the big city, okay? I know, boy, we, you know, the, the big city turns out to have been a bad plan. 
Uh, I shouldn't have been there, and I, we're having, now we're losing everything, all our possessions, all the stuff that Abraham got back for us. We're having to leave that behind. We're just having to flee with the clothes on our back. But I don't want to have to go to the mountains. Could I please settle in, a, in, in this small town that's close by? I, if, I, if I go there, I think everything will be all right. And the angel says, okay, for your sake, I will not destroy that small town. But hurry and get there. Go straight there. Because I'm waiting until you are there before I send destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah and the plain. Even the plants got killed. So they went to Zor, the three survivors, Lot and his two daughters. And after a while, he was afraid to live there. Why? Why do you think he was afraid to live there? Because obviously the people of Zor were just like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he began to think, ooh, this is not a good place. I can kind of see the same thing happening here that happened there. I think I better get out of Zor. And so he goes up now into a remote place in the mountains, and he and his two daughters live in a cave. And the two daughters decide, we're going to get what we want. I guess our only choice for a partner is dad. And he's not going to go along with that unless he's really drunk. So let's get him really drunk. And they get their father really drunk. And then they engage in incest. And they have kids by their dad. The Moabites and the Ammonites. Would you say at this point that his family has pretty much been destroyed? Oh no, we're carrying on the line. <laughs> That's not the godly line. That is not. That is not the kind of line you want to have. Well, but it's, it's a baby. That's what really counts. It's a baby. Babies are wonderful. Babies are precious. Babies are not guilty because of their parents' sin. Children that are a result of rape, a result of incest, are not worthless because of what happened that they have no control over. But that doesn't make rape and incest okay. The solution when there is a child as a result of rape or incest is not to kill the child. The child is not the one who deserves the death penalty. But if we begin to behave as if there's no big problem with rape and incest, you know, <laughs> it all works out, you know, it's okay, then we have completely missed the truth. Human life is sacred. But it is precisely for that reason that humans need to do what the creator of life says. And the way that we treat others is not up to us to decide. God says, this is how you're to treat your neighbor. This is how you treat your family. This is how you're to treat your enemy. And if we are going to be his people, we need to take very seriously what he says.
So, Sodom and Gomorrah, destroyed. Lot's family, destroyed. So, would you suggest that uh, all Christians everywhere need to live in the country, not in the city? No. What I would suggest is that if you're going to live in the city, you need to understand we're going to be the people of God and we're going to do things God's way and we're not going to get sucked into this culture. I started public school when I was five years old. And I went there with the clear understanding that most of the people, including probably the teachers, were not going to be followers of Jesus. And that as a follower of Jesus at age five, I needed to represent him well because my hope and my prayer would be that some of my classmates and any teachers who didn't know Jesus would come to know him. Now, thank God I actually had the privilege of seeing a number of classmates over the years that I was in public school come to know Jesus. I'm not saying that if you want your kids to follow Jesus, you must not let them be around non-Christians. I'm saying you better make sure in the home that you are discipling them so that when they go out of the home, they are going out on mission, and the mission is not to be popular. The mission is not to fit in. The mission is not to just have fun. The mission is not to get a scholarship to college by being a star athlete. The mission is to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, and if your kids are not ready for that, don't send them. Don't send them. Because your children will either be missionaries or a mission field. And I've seen thousands of parents who thought they were doing the right thing because they wanted their child to have a normal childhood. They didn't want some weird, you know, socially awkward kid. They wanted them to get out there and learn how to fit in. And tragically, they got what they asked for. The broad road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to life. If your kids are going with the flow on the broad road, they are headed for destruction. Don't kid yourself. Pastor Wood, you've seemed a little... uh, somber today, kind of, you know, harsh. We're talking about fire and brimstone coming out of the sky and destroying two major cities in that time. Couldn't you make it lighter? No. We're talking about a family that knew better, that fell in love with Sodom. I can't make that pretty. I can't make that sweet and happy. I must warn all of you that God's judgment is coming. Well, how could Lot be called righteous? It wasn't because of his behavior. 
It was because apparently he came to trust in God and in his grace. And whatever our sins, whatever we've done wrong, if we cry out to God for mercy, if we trust in his grace and not in our works, God declares that we are righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I can't make up for what I've done wrong by doing good. I'm only righteous because of God's grace. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He's drawing you. Run to him. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to save us. Help us to truly trust in you and show it by transformed lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.